Welcome to Voices from the Bench, a dental laboratory podcast. Send us an email at info at voicesfromthebench.com or look for us on Facebook at Voices from the Bench. Greetings and welcome to episode 147 of Voices from the Bench. My name is Elvis. My name is Barbara. What's happening, Barb? How are you today? Very, 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 very crazy busy. I've had three of my immediate team texts come down with COVID. So it's been a very interesting two weeks for me. One tech's been out for two weeks. She's still positive. And then I had two brothers. One's my model tech and one's my high-end ceramist. Family member came down with it this weekend. So they're out for two weeks. So it's been a little hairy for me. Yowzer. I'm a little busy. <laughs> yeah. So does anybody help or is it just you? Just me. Just you. That's got to be quite nerve wracking to handle all yeah. those cases by yourself. I get the model work done from, you know, elsewhere, but yeah. all of the seating and finishing and finessing and layering and glazing and QCing and etching and all the phone calls. So it's, uh, I'll probably be here on Sunday happily, oh. but I don't mind. I'd rather be super busy than uh, have COVID. You keep saying on the podcast how you love being on the bench. Well, here it is. Yep. <laughs> how are you doing? What's up with you? I'm doing well. Last week, I got my first vaccine shot for the COVID because I don't want to end up missing work. Yeah. How'd it go? Are you seeing double? No. Have you grown another limb? The tail has not grown. (laughs) The third eye has not appeared. Everything seems to be good. I'll tell you, my arm hurt for the first two days. Like someone punched me really hard. Kind of like the flu shot, right? Yeah, I think it's a little worse than the flu shot. I don't remember that hurting as bad. Wow. Yeah, so the CDC announced that healthcare providers should get the vaccine. And in the list of what the CDC considers as a healthcare provider, laboratory technicians Yay. fall in that. Yeah. yeah I okay. doubt they meant dental technicians, but cool. laboratory technicians. So I encourage people to head out and get it and let's get over this thing so we can yeah. all get together and have a Chicago lab day again sometime. Agree. Totally agree. <laughs> I got to get a second one in a couple weeks and I hear that one's a little worse and people feel sick after it, but I think <laughs> in the long run, it's a smart thing to do. All right. I support you on that, friend. But you're not going to get it, are you? I don't know. You don't know. I don't get the flu shot, so I don't know. I made up my mind yet. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Move on. Officially, registration has opened for the Visions 21. That's taking right. place April 8th to the 12th. We talked about it before on the podcast, but now officially you can register for it. It's at the Gaylord Opryland Resort in Nashville, Tennessee. Sweet. Can't wait. So, be there. In order for this event to happen, we need people to sign up for this. So remember, there's no Lab Day Chicago this year. So this is a great chance to get out, see your friends, network. Everybody head over to the NADL.org to sign up for this. More importantly, up until that time, get your vaccine, stay safe, because that's the only way this thing's going to not get canceled, is if we get a little bit better and everyone can adhere to the rules. <laughs> you agree. Yep, you are correct. All right, so what do we have going on this week, my friend? So this week, we talked to German-trained Stefan Robach, which I'm sure I'm mispronouncing. Mm-hmm. He's from Edmunds Dental Prosthetics. Stefan comes on the podcast to talk about finding his way to Edmonds and working his way to become their senior manager of removable prosthetics. 
With a passion for educating and raising the bar in removables, Stefan, along with Edmonds and Candelar, started the first Swiss School of Prosthetics here in the U.S. This amazing program will cover all aspects of removable prosthetics, from basic to advanced courses. It's ideal for the entry-level technician and the veteran of the trade looking to take their skill to the next level. So join us as we chat with Stefan Robach. Hey, Barbara, have you heard about Oradent and their new partnership? You mean up? 3D Elvis? Exactly. The new P5 milling machine by Up3D. Is it another private label milling machine on the market? Actually, no. That's the cool thing. Up3D actually manufactures their own mills. Wow, that's awesome. What is the P5 milling machine offering? Well, for starter, the P5 is a 5-axis efficient dry mill. All right, so that's super ideal and totally convenient, but what about the quality of the milling? Well, it boasts software that produces high precision and fast milling. It can mill a crown, get this, in 14 minutes. And the tool life yields about 60 to 80 hours of quality restorations. Wow, that must be super expensive software, do tell. The cam nasting software is included at no additional cost. Come on, that's a super great cost savings for any lab. Budget friendly without compromising any of the performance. All right, so let's talk about price. Well, the funny thing is it retails for only $18,000. Wow, that's a super game changer for labs of all sizes, big and small. Under twenty k, a small lab can now do their own milling instead of outsourcing. But don't forget the medium and larger labs can benefit big time from this too. The Up3D recently opened a home office in California near Oradent. So does that mean the mill ships from California and the remote technical support is also in California? Yes, Barbara, you are correct. Obviously, as always, they are both in the United States in Southern California. All you got to do is call our friends over at Oradent, 1-800-422-7373. Or you can visit their website at Oradent.com. We appreciate your support of the podcast, Oradent. Thank you. Voices from the Bench. The Interview. We'd like to welcome to the podcast today, actually, Elizabeth Curran suggested that you come on this program, sir. Stefan Robach, which I know is probably not the correct pronunciation of it. No, I think it's right. (laughs) Sounded good. Welcome to the podcast, sir. Well, you know, I think you've done remarkable well considering the history that you have with pronouncing names. So that's, oh, that's great. Oh, <laughs> you know us. That's pretty impressive. Well, listener from the very beginning. So first of Aww. all, thank you, Barbara and Elvis, for the invite. It's uh, really quite an honor. Yeah, no, thanks Thank for coming on. I'm just happy I didn't call you Stephen. So I think I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> well, it's kind of funny, even though I oftentimes on the phone with Dennis spell my name when they want to send me a lab script directly to me. I spell my name and uh, it comes to Kevin, Devin, (laughs) Stefan, one of my all-time favorites. (laughs) And when you write him a letter back, you say, doctor, misspell his name just to keep it on the same level, (laughs) put him in the place. Yep. Well, sir, we appreciate you coming on the podcast. I'm excited to hear all about you and what you're doing because you're coming up with something pretty cool. We'll get into it later. 
but the Swiss School of Prosthetics. Mm-hmm. Sounds amazing. But first of all, we want to kind of hear about how you got into this industry. You're out of Springfield, Missouri, right? Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Yes. So you don't sound like you're from Springfield. Uh, not quite. <laughs> I was uh, born and raised in Germany, in Frankfurt, actually. Wow. So when did you come over here? About 18 years ago. Oh, okay. So as an adult. Yeah, absolutely. After I graduated from dental school in Germany, I decided I would never do this again with teeth. Uh, seemed incredibly <laughs> boring for a young man. So I was also drafted into the German service at that time and kind of became a bit of an adrenaline junkie, I guess, wow. and uh, worked for the U.S. Army for quite a few years over in Europe. And that's why I met a wonderful redneck gal who told me how awesome Missouri is and that I definitely need to move over there. And so we packed our bags one day and did. Did you refer to her as a redneck girl? Absolutely. Okay, just making sure I heard that right. I thought it was red hair. Yeah, I will not even be in trouble for that. So you learned all this in Germany because we've heard from other people that they have quite an extensive schooling over there. Yeah, it's obviously very different, the educational system from the U.S. When I graduated from high school, I started a four-year apprenticeship program. And Mm -hmm. the way this works that you spend part of your week in school and you're studying anatomy, lab chemistry, material science and what have you. And the other part of the week you spend working in a laboratory that's attached to the trade guild. And the, the laboratory pays you a small stipend during your training and the local trade guilds pay the school or pay for the school. When you graduate from there, you essentially have the equivalent of a CDT in dentures, partials, crown bridge, and ceramics. Wow. So it's very wow. different. But you also have the practical exposure to everyday life. And I think what's what the beauty is of the system, you come out of there, you have a, have a degree, the equivalent to a master's degree, essentially, in Europe. You don't have any student debt to deal with. And the laboratory where you're interning over these four years, you're essentially performing an interview, a bench interview over four years. Oh, wow. So what led you into teeth? Did you know somebody in the industry or did you have a well, somebody at the dentist? I have a feeling that you've heard that story probably many times before. <laughs> so <my> yeah. <laughs> Father, mother, uncle. The mother. She was the dental technician. But wow. there was a bit of a twist. So I didn't really grow up in a lab. Uh, she actually decided to work from home to raise me and my brother. So mm-hmm. uh, I have very vivid memories of uh, her sitting at the kitchen table with a camping burner going and uh, setting up dentures. Really? And yeah, so my first job as a kid was actually to deliver the setups back to the laboratory with my little bicycle. (laughs) So, (laughs) Needless to say, both my brother and I ended up becoming dental technicians. Oh, so he's one too. Yes, he is. Uh, He's a grandmaster these days and he's teaching at the university in Frankfurt. Wow. Great story. So when you go through the school in Germany, you know, everyone talks about the dental lab part of it, but do you still have to go through all the regular classes that are associated with the college or is it just straight dental lab? No, there's some auxiliary classes like, you know, politics, sociology. Yeah. Uh, you can volunteer for some things. I elected uh, psychology. Ooh. That comes in handy in a dental lab. Very yeah. much. Wouldn't you believe oh, it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> actually very true just say it yeah i have to confer with my wife quite often she's now a mental health counselor and we've oftentimes discussed on moving her uh, office next door to the lab yeah (laughs) yep i can't imagine working in a lab all day then going home to a mental health care (laughs) worker oh 
She must think we're crazy. We're, we're always joking. By the end of the day, uh, I spend all day speaking with people. So does she, obviously. And um, by the time we come home, we usually don't talk all that much anymore. And I think that's the secret of our happy marriage. We there just don't go. talk so much. Yeah. Yeah, there's some truth to that. <laughs> so you're in Germany. What is this, 19, 18 years ago? Uh, actually, about, well, when I graduated, about 28 years ago. 28, okay. So when did you come over here, and what brought you over here? So really, it was it was her. We got married in Germany, oh, okay. and um, she got out of her engagement with the army there and uh, could use orders to get everything, her, our entire household moved back to the States and said, all right, let's do this. I was uh, at this point still open for an adventure. Yeah, and how did she prep you to go into Missouri? Because um, I know how people in Europe all think of the United States as New York, Chicago, and L.A., and that's it. That is so funny that you say this. This is exactly how we grew up to imagine the United States. There yeah. is, uh, you know, skyscrapers on one side, and there is a whole lot of nothing, a bit of desert, and then there's L.A. So. <laughs> and in the middle of that desert is Missouri. <laughs> she very convincingly told me that the landscape and the climate everything is exactly like in germany uh-huh. well it was a little white lie i guess but we're still here we're happy yeah so what is your laboratory like so well you uh, obviously you you started a lab so what uh take me there well when i first got here i worked for a few more years for national guard here in missouri and then got in touch with a, a prosthodontist locally here in Springfield who, back in the day, we still had Monster. I don't even think this exists anymore. And I had my uh, resume up there. And he contacted me and specifically asked me if I had got my training in Germany. And he was stationed at some point as an army dentist over there and got to work with German dental technicians. Oh. And he was very interested in hiring me. And I, I was back at this point, I was done with being an adrenaline junkie and said, all right, let's see if I can still do that after a few years break. And it went from there. And um, when he retired, I switched over to Edmonds Dental Prosthetics here in Springfield. Uh-huh. Oh, I know that. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you know Steve Edmonds. Yes, absolutely. I do. Yep. So, and I've already been in touch with Edmonds over the years that I worked for that doctor as a clinical technician because we sent our frameworks over here. Uh-huh. So it was when he retired, it was a pretty smooth transition. Wow. That's fantastic. And now? So currently I'm the senior manager of removable prosthetics here. I've been with Edmonds now. I'm in my eighth year. So we are a full service lab based here in Springfield with two other locations in Southwest Missouri and one in Northern Arkansas. So I basically work with all the different department heads and team leaders with daily operations, but I'm also very involved with advanced training and I'm part of our signature team. So you have that connection to your mother still, because that's what she used to do in the kitchen way a long time ago. Absolutely. And we're still Skyping at least once a week, and I'm always having to send her photos of my denture setup. So uh, it goes through uh, quality control. (laughs) That's neat. Is she still working or is she retired? Uh, no, she's retired. She's in her uh, late 70s now, but in very good health. Thanks, goodness. Good. Mm-hmm. So what's your day at Edmonds like? Say you train a lot of people. Mm-hmm. That's part of it. It's going to become more and more formal, of course, now with partnership with the Swiss School. Mm-hmm. For a long time, we've always offered continued education to our uh, clinical clients that's something that I've always been very involved with and uh, doing CE that way, but also doing the normal kind of over-the-shoulder training with technicians as they're getting onboarded and needing a little bit more advanced training. Mm-hmm. So once they get their feet a little more wet. 
Yeah. Do you get to do the chair side conversions or do you have other people do that? Uh, chair side conversions at the doctors, we actually do not do a whole lot of those. What? What? Oh my gosh. <laughs> it seems like you have to do a, to be a lab. It's like the, the thing. Uh, or not the thing. I don't do a lot of Do that. you I'm not? Wow. Seems no. like everybody we talk to, that's like the thing. Well, I think that's just probably a little bit of the nature here at Edmonds that we're not necessarily always doing everything that everybody else is doing. There's nothing wrong with that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Uh, why join the Navy if you can be a pirate? Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. So you're training. So are you training like to design? Do you Are you guys doing print indentures? Are you still all traditional analog? Uh, so our fixed departments are almost, I would easily estimate, 90% CAD CAM. Uh, so is our framework partial department. Everything is CAD CAM and uh, 3D printed. Okay. In full dentures, we're doing uh, our custom trace 3D printed these days. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. There is the occasional record base, but uh, the final product is still handmade. Yeah. And nice. So far, I just have not seen any process or material combination yet that I feel can compete with what we otherwise can conventionally produce. So I'm very open to it and I'm watching it very closely. But at the moment, I'm just not quite impressed. Yeah, you said you listen to our podcast a lot. So you know that, you know, we've talked to people that do it traditional. We talked to technicians that are doing it printed. And, you know, I'm still on the fence, too. Um, we're still doing it traditionally at night. But, you know, there's progress being made pretty rapidly. And some people are having success at it. And then there's those still doing it the old-fashioned way. So that's great. Yeah. But you're still on the bench making setups and indentures, right? Uh, yeah, otherwise I somehow would probably hate my daily life. Yeah, <laughs> you got to have that time alone on the bench. Yeah, I think Barbara can relate to that. Yeah. I was just going to say, my last three days were like, what? Crazy hectic. It's the Christmas season, and you know how everybody gets all jacked up, and they want everything back yesterday, and oh. Absolutely. So much fun. Yeah. After all these years, I still love it sitting down and actually setting teeth. And I, the cases that I work on, I usually take them completely from start to finish. And it's just nice if you have 100% control over a case. And uh, you know how it goes when you're in management with it. There is the occasional weekend that you're spending at the lab too. Yeah. Um, get into your Zen zone and uh, get it going. Yeah. You are talking my language. And you said you're an adrenaline junkie or you were. And I'm certain that you're finding that on the bench, because especially right now, all the dates and the times and everything that we have going on, there's that energy that you get as soon as you walk in the door and bam, you know, you work and you're just feeling it. So I, I totally get where you connect the two. Yeah, it just takes the right music to go in the background, right? Yep. Yep. Bingo. That's a good question we should be asking on the podcast. What music do you listen to while you're on the bench? <laughs> oh, boy. Um it depends on if there's anybody around me. If I'm completely yeah. around, it's uh, usually uh, pretty much heavy metal and gangster yeah. rap. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I tone it down a little bit when there's an audience. Yeah. <laughs> it's hard to set teeth when you're banging your head. It's yeah. it's a zone. Like he's right. It's like a zen zone and an energy zone. And you just kind of go. Music's a part of my life. Whether I'm running or working, mm -hmm. I have to music which is super important i don't know about you elvis you probably run with nothing because you're amazing but me i run with podcasts 
Oh my God. Oh, that Dude. seems hard to, to keep cadence if you're listening to somebody talk while you're running. It's pretty crazy. <laughs> the last marathon I did was all podcasts. Oh my God, you are a geek. Wow. <laughs> okay, so one of the reasons we had you on was to talk about this Swiss school of prosthetics. Mm-hmm. Tell us the story behind this. Like so many other labs, and I'm sure you guys can relate to that, we've experienced significant shortage of removable technicians, and we've been seeing this trend for at least the past 15 years. So oh, sure. There's yeah. so many experienced denture technicians that are literally dying out, and there's just so much knowledge, both technically and clinically, that is getting lost. And at the same time, where we already started, we keep on hearing from our younger doctors that the preclinical training in dental school is just more and more reduced when it comes to full prosthetics. And uh, at the same time, the demand for full mouth rehabs, and in my opinion, a complete denture is a full mouth rehab, the demand is certainly going up more and more for that. Yeah. And we found for uh, technicians, there's barely any kind of structured training available anywhere anymore. So we decided about four years ago to start a training center for uh, removable prosthetics here. It was basically through a series of chance meetings that we partnered up with the Swiss School of Prosthetics. And uh, we really liked the curriculum and the way they had it organized. And that fell 100% in what we were trying to build here. And even though the final phases have been a little bit delayed because of this COVID situation, we Mm -hmm. were finally able to finish our training center physically up this week. And going to be actually starting internal training here um, this coming week. So when you say we, you're talking about Edmonds Laboratory and yourself? That's correct. Yes. So. um, It's certainly a unique approach to help solve that shortage. That was our rationale behind it. And I'm very excited to be the first certified SSOP teacher here in the United States. Oh, my God. Congratulations. Well, thank you very so, much. Am I understanding that the Swiss School of Prosthetics is not new? It's been around for a while? Uh, in some format, Candelor, that's the main sponsor of this school. Okay. They have been international education active for as long as they exist, I believe. And they've seen the same tendencies in technical education and clinical educations in other countries as well. And they developed this training concept um, to just provide something much more structured than just the usual over-the-shoulder training. Uh, And the students even can take exams after each course and uh, eventually Uh even earn a post-grad degree with it. So it's it's really a very high-quality type of training. So you're the first trainer in the United States. Can you take me kind of through the curriculum, you know, from A to Z? So the initial basic courses that we're starting out with is the first one is a clinical course that is specifically for dentists, prosthodontists, denturists to address issues and techniques on impressions, designs wow. of, uh, of myofunctional impression trays bite registrations, and so on, the typical problems that we all see every day from a lab point of view. The analog course for the technicians addresses all of this really at the same time, in the same steps, so the technicians get a better understanding what is happening clinically chair-side, how do the things that they're producing need to be designed and function, and for what purpose. Hmm. So it goes way beyond this okay, uh, make tray out of this material and cut it to that red line on the model, it really uh, builds a solid understanding and the ability for the technician to troubleshoot and really understand what is happening and why they are doing all of these things. So, and then it builds up there several uh, courses for tooth setups, both physiological and lingualized occlusion, for example. 
There's a course specifically for finalizing wax ups that are really lifelike in multiple colors in wax and then eventually taking the prosthetic to finish too with a polychromatic gingival design, which is something that's more and more becoming something that's starting here in the United States, really being demanded that prosthetics just are not a pink piece of acrylic, but actually are looking lifelike, like it's uh, really more common in Europe. Yeah, I've been seeing that all over Facebook lately, photographs of the tissue and the gingival and the artistry and the colors and and all of that. So I I definitely have to agree with you on that. You're obviously going to start with your removable technicians through this course, but and doctors, which is awesome. But uh, like if there's people, are you guys going to open it up? Absolutely. So we're getting ready by the end of the year to come up with a course schedule for 2021. Mm. We got the training center built up in a way where we can observe social distancing between the people. There's every possible safety measure in there. Our laboratory gets fogged every night with a disinfectant already as it is because of the whole situation. All of this applies to the school as well. So we're very excited to actually get back together physically and move away from Zoom and getting started to do continued education again with people face to face, be it masked or not. Yeah, I talk about that a lot. We're kind of over that whole deal. Right. I was very excited to hear that LMT is aiming for doing lab day next year after all. Yeah. How long is it course? Does someone sign up and it's a weekend thing? Is it weeks? How does that work? Uh, no, the courses, they're uh, broken down in individual segments of either one or two days. Okay. So people would sign up and, and just for like two days, stay in a local hotel and take the courses? Yeah, correct. Okay. I want to go. All right. You're, you're always welcome here. I want to go experience snow also. <laughs> I'm going to take Elvis too. Well, Missouri, we don't do that much snow. We, we prefer ice. <laughs> oh, better. <laughs> Can I send somebody with zero experience in the lab to this? Or is this someone that's already kind of invested into our lifestyle? So the way it is done with the first theoretical courses, you can potentially send a newbie. It would help if they have a little bit of uh, exposure on uh, how a dental laboratory is. Uh, It certainly does not have to be somebody that has years of experience to catch on. It is designed that way that there is some elemental courses that teach Uh the real foundations. Okay. Well, that's good to know. You hire a staff that may be a former dental assistant so that the terminology is not completely foreign. That would be somebody with a knowledge baseline that certainly will be able to go through these courses. Sure. And we always try to at least hire that because without it, it's a struggle. It sure is. (laughs) Which direction is buckle? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) I hired somebody and they were scanning and they, they stopped me in the hall and they said, is this an upper or a lower? And I was like, I'm done. (laughs) (laughs) We all had to start somewhere. Well, I have learned to be very patient over the years. I really have. So talk about some of these other teachers. I'm looking online at uh, Mm -hmm. ssop.swiss. I'm hoping I'm in the right place. You're 100% in the right place? Yeah. Who are some of these other teachers? I mean, they're not names I recognize. Uh, They are all based in Europe. Okay. So Oliver Benz over there is the international director of, of the Swiss school. He is based in Zurich. Then we have uh, Dr. Glorfeld, who teaches at the university in Marburg. He specializes in clinical training. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's some other local trainers in Germany as well, like Martin Koller and uh, Roman Wolf. And the newest addition is uh, Sabine from Sinner, who is based in Belgium. Wow. Wow. 
How do all these people get affiliated with the school? I guess it's a matter of networking and you get together that way if you're really having a passion for both removable prosthetics and education. Wow. People find each other that way. Yeah, I was going to say, because it's in so many different countries. That's what, what I think is amazing. Yeah. Belgium. So you're the only teacher then? In the U.S., in correct. The US. Wow. So you're teaching all the classes, all the courses, everything. Mm-hmm. And you're still going to do your full-time job? <laughs> we'll find out about that. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> That's a lot on your yeah. plate, man. Well, who needs sleep? Yeah, yeah, I get yeah. it. I get it. So, all right, so going to teach your own technicians what does that look like for you are you going to do that on like a friday or on a saturday are you going to throw that into your day or how are you doing that part of it it's typically going to be a friday and saturday okay and you know we're having smaller class sizes as it is uh, due to covid at the moment so i can always coordinate with the department managers if they have a a technician that they want to sign up for a certain course Mm -hmm. they can do that and then they can coordinate and plan their workflow that way to free their technician up for it so i'm sure it was a lot of work that you guys put into the school itself do you guys have equipment and do people have to bring their own things or do they just go in what's the setup look like so we basically built a 10 bench laboratory in building adjacent to the laboratory Uh so it's completely away from the production environment from the noise and everything which is obviously great for for participants from the outside but it's also great for our own technician that they're not in the usual environment but really are somewhat in an environment conducive to learning and uh, no other distractions so all the benches are set up with everything from burners to hand pieces carvers any kind of tools that they may need Uh, The way I know denture technicians, they all have their favorite carver and their favorite burr, and they're absolutely welcome to bring their own tools. Yeah. So they get the wax and they get the, uh, do you guys provide everything other than the tools? So they actually have the wax there. Do you guys inject and, you know, set up and inject and finish and and process and all of that? Yep. It's from A to Z, complete fabrication of a denture through five courses. That's fantastic. We teach different types of processing because we realize too, um, we're using a lot of Ivo base in our daily operations here. But Uh some of our higher end prosthetics that have the internal coloration in the acrylic embedded for this, we found it more suitable to go with a press packing with a very different type of flask that's not very common around here. That's actually screw retained instead of sitting just under a press and and a jig. So that's something that we'll also be able to show here at the school. Interesting. And uh, even if somebody prefers to finalize the denture with a a cold cure pour technique, we're able to accommodate all of this, whatever the technicians need. What if they want a microwave? That's one thing that I honestly have (laughs) not ever tried. Where are you coming from? Just kidding. I find it weird. We learned about it on the podcast, microwaving dentures, and I've been fascinated with it ever since. (laughs) Yeah, this year in Chicago, I had a discussion with that uh, about that with uh, Tom Zaleski. Oh, yeah, Tom. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) And uh, yeah, he encouraged me to try it one day, and I very well might. Yeah. Interesting. That's pretty awesome. So uh, you mentioned Elizabeth Curran earlier, Elvis. Yeah. How do you uh, know Elizabeth, Stefan? I do not know her personally. I really only know her through our interactions through various Facebook groups. So she must be a fan of everything you do because I've known her for a long time and she's super into education. She's just an amazing technician, an amazing person. And 
So uh, she must be watching you somehow and a super big advocate of you. So, But you've never met her, huh? Uh, I really have not. So I was just as surprised when I heard that. So shout out to her. I was very honored when I heard it. Aww. Every time I try to ask her to be on the program, she tries to like deter me from it and then offers <laughs> other people. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Wow. So if I send an employee to the Swiss School of Prosthetics and you find out how amazing this person is, is mm-hmm. Edmunds going to try to steal them from me? Um, not if you're currently <laughs> employed somewhere. I, I like where your mind is going, but we're, we're not intending to use that as a recruiting ground. <laughs> it is really, our intention is really from a point of uh, idealism that we really would like to raise the bar across the industry and not just serve ourselves. Otherwise, we would have just contained it to having a training program for our own technicians. And of course, we've spent a lot of time discussing this over the years as we were planning this. Is this a smart idea to train our competition? That was really one of the core questions that we thought about very long and hard. And ultimately, our decision was, no, we really want to try to raise the bar. I think that's amazing. I met Steve Edmonds and his father probably, I don't know, eight or nine years ago. And it was right when we were getting into the digital technology and the milling. And they were so open Mm -hmm. to, like everybody else in our industry, uh, sharing with me, explaining everything they were doing, bringing me into their staff meetings and just totally just took me around the whole laboratory and it doesn't surprise me at all that you're there and that you guys have come up with this because he is just an amazing person and so is his father and so willing to share and so willing to teach that I just think it's a great partnership. I'm I'm super happy to hear that. Yeah, I can concur. It's a phenomenal place to work at too. Despite the size that we've reached over the last 35 years, um, it is still a family-owned and operated company in the truest sense. Yeah. Yeah. And you know how I feel about that, which I'm I'm super uh, passionate about that. But just the thought of it, when you guys said you had so many conversations about should we train you know, other people's technicians and or competition. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It doesn't surprise me at all that you guys came down with, no, you know what? It's something in our industry that is hurting. There's people that are just retiring and there, you know, there's not a lot out there. And as we were going through the, through really, or staying on the, on the cutting edge of CATCAM over the last 10, 15 years almost, there is, of course, from our experience in fixed, there is this temptation of thinking, does a technician that might one day sit down and uh, design a denture on the computer screen and either mill it or 3D print it later, does this person require the same training as they used to when we were doing it analog? And for us, this is a resounding yes, absolutely. It is not It is not the same learning curve as it may be to design a single crown. You're essentially designing 28 crowns that need to be working together. Yeah. Don't tell me that it's like making 28 crowns. It'd freak them out. That's a, <laughs> that's a whole day for a, a designer. 
Well, and you've got the soft tissue that's happening. Uh, there is a lot going on when you're working with, even if it's implant supported, and we're seeing this, obviously, there's more and more implant supported overdentures these days. That's increasing. Yeah. But the basis yeah. for this will always be a tissue supported full denture. And if you don't understand denture occlusion, I would caution to do any other kind of screw retained hybrid or any other full mouth rehab if you really don't have a solid understanding. There's so much damage that can be done to the patient. Oh, for sure. Got to balance that occlusion out. Yeah. So can you expand on that when you say denture occlusion? What what does that mean for those that don't know? So there's obviously several different concepts out there on how you're going to set your teeth up in what occlusal scheme, whether it's in a physiological occlusion, being the teeth occlude as they would somewhat in a natural dentition, or lingualized occlusion, the way that Professor Gerber taught it in Zurich between the 50s and 70s. And every tooth manufacturer put their own twist on some of the science and designing their own molds and they all function in a different way and have to be set up in a different way. So that's what I mean with understanding denture occlusion. So um, it is just not enough to just say, okay, just set a few teeth over the ridge or so. There has to be a little bit more uh, done with it to really secure, especially a conventional denture without implants that is secured that way. Wow. So a lot of it depends on the tooth brand you're using. Uh, it certainly does, yeah. Interesting. I didn't realize that. Which tooth brand do you guys have at the school? We're using Candelure teeth here because this is oh, the okay. brand of tooth that I have been using for many, many years, long before the Swiss School of Prosthetics even existed. And what I liked about Candelure from the start of my career all these years ago, when you looked into what do the manufacturers have to offer Candelor always seemed to have a, a system together with everything that you really need as a technician to do a higher end work. Hmm. I'm not familiar with the company, really. I don't know. Do they do things outside of the removable realm? Not much. It's very yeah. focused on removable prosthetics. Uh, anything from waxes, acrylics, denture teeth. They have a phenomenal articulator that was developed over the last few years in several generations. It's, it's phenomenal equipment and it's just very high quality and I think that's kind of stands by itself. It is typically made in Switzerland and there is a certain quality behind it. Yeah. We need to get them on the podcast sometime, find out their story. <laughs> I knew where his wheels were turning. This day. <laughs> so how are the manufacturers? I realize that it's your school and it's uh, Edmonds and, and you guys' endeavor, but you know, you are using certain materials. How do the manufacturers come into the whole picture are you working with anybody specifically or there is of course a focus on uh, candle or products that i used to demonstrate for the simple nature that uh, the swiss school is sponsored by candle okay. in zurich switzerland but okay. we're also using materials from other manufacturers and i don't get any kickbacks or any compensation from them and we're trying to keep this as an educational instrument and not so much as a sponsored event yeah, that's kind of what I was alluding to, but not in a negative way. I was curious. Yeah. So, no, we're trying to, to keep this separate. Good, good, good. I like that. I like it even better now. That's great. Because I think there's a lot of companies out there that are going to catch on to this and be like, we want in, we want in. Yeah. But uh, I love that it's you guys and, and your, your brainchild. So, it's great. So, do you have anyone signed up yet to take the, the courses? Or is there not even an option yet? Um, we have not opened it up to the public yet. That's going to happen towards the beginning of uh, the next year where we're going to set uh, course dates in stone mm -hmm. that we're going to offer. And they're going to be posted on the SSOP.Swiss website. 
And obviously, I'm going to promote them also and announce course dates over my social media channels. Oh, for sure. I'm curious to see how many dentists sign up for it. I mean, I I hope a lot do because they need to, but I'm curious. So at the moment, uh, since we've already talked about this through our customers, I have a waiting list of 26 dentists. Oh, wow. <laughs> I bet you they're all young. Are they all young? Uh, not even. There is a lot of older, more experienced too that just like to polish up their knowledge. Good for them. Wow. That's fantastic. I bet you have a waiting because I'm telling you, there are so many. We probably take 50 to 80 calls a day about dentures. And I know that sounds crazy and it sounds totally like I'm exaggerating, but uh, there are so many questions on dentures. Absolutely. A lot of times I get these calls too, where, where the questions sometimes seem so fundamental in a way when you have been doing it for a long time, but you just have to pick the clinician and the technicians up where they're at Yeah, and, yeah. you know, not stand on the soapbox and asking, oh, how come that you don't know that? Yeah. And I like that. It's a no judgment zone. Like we're all absolutely each other. It's not like, oh, am I kidding me? But like, they really don't know. And just what you were saying, they eliminated it in school or they didn't eliminate it, but they reduced it drastically. And then, you know, any dentist that's open is going to have a patient come in that's got some dentures or wants a denture. And it is not easy. No. And especially the part of taking a proper impression and understanding what type of impression it really takes to make a proper suction effective denture even in the lower arch, which is absolutely possible with a proper impression technique and how to take a proper physiological centric with a patient. It is just not done with putting a roll of wax or putty in the patient's mouth and say, bite normal, because we've all seen what patients do when you ask them to bite normal. <laughs> I'm not laughing, but I'm laughing. Yeah. yeah. Some crazy things. So I spent five years side with a prosthodontist and seen all of this, what this, what the real world looks for a clinician. So I've seen it all. I've had to change scrubs uh, three times a day. Wow. So I'm usually very sympathetic when I call a doctor and say, hey, I have an impression here that I have some hesitation. I typically word it as diplomatic as I possibly can. And yep. there is sometimes just, okay, I have been thrown up on three times today. I'm not going to okay. redo this impression. And then I typically try to talk them into, let's see, can we not schedule a patient perhaps at another date? Yeah. I always like to say, uh, you know, I can't put a midline if you don't mark the midline. That's my favorite saying. Absolutely. Um, and it goes way beyond that. So it does. On, on our signature service where we're having a very specific workflow, we actually do not accept denture cases if we don't have all the metrics on the patient and a certain set of photography available. Yeah. Otherwise, you just end up working off of two lumps of stone and maybe a piece of wax that somehow orients the two pieces together. And that's all the information you get. But I'm pretty sure you guys have seen lab scripts, too, that say patient's last name, unknown gender, unknown age. And yeah. the lab script reads, make denture. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I got a case today with a lower model, an RX, and absolutely nothing written out except for the doctor and the patient. <laughs> to figure out what we were doing with the case. And I was just scratching my head. And there's just, you know, there's all kinds of crazy things. But that brings me to the question of protocol. So do you have a list of protocols after you go to these courses? All right, I'll take this back and I do A, B, C, D, E, F, G, and this is a denture and this is how I impress and this is the bite I need to take. Is that all ready to go for your students? Uh, yeah, so the, I typically walk them through uh, showing them this is the gold standard, this is ideal, what you 
can provide in terms of communication and data to the laboratory for the best result. But I'm not going to insist on just one workflow. I also show alternatives because there is obviously many roads that lead to Rome. There's just yeah. some roads that do not lead to Rome. And I make this very clear. <laughs> <laughs> I like what you what you yeah. remarked earlier, Barbara, on not being, uh, you know, having this a judgment free zone. And all of our technicians know that, too, when they walk into my office and, you know, there is the, the look on their face and they're like, Steph and I have a really stupid question. And my answer is usually there is no stupid question, but I might have a stupid answer for you. Yeah. <laughs> that was my dad's quote. There is no stupid question. Please ask me. Absolutely. If you don't ask me. That's not a good thing. So I, I usually do not assume malice if if simple ignorance is is a possible solution. Mm-hmm. Mm. And it's the same with the dentist that sends me the lab script that says, make denture. <laughs> There's a chance that the assistant or the dentist simply do not know what information we need. And that gives us a way to have a conversation with them. Yeah, it's an opportunity. Yeah, they, they only do what we tell them. They don't know, think they can get away with it until we stop it. Yeah. So when you teach dentists at this school, or even when you just talk to them from Edmonds, you have a lot of clinical experience, so it's a little bit easier for you. But for a lot of technicians, they don't have that clinical experience. Mm-hmm. What are some tips you can give to our listeners that might help them communicate better with a dentist when working with removables? One thing that we encourage in our technicians, especially if they're moving up into a team leader position and going yeah. through the internal training process, We have great relationships with some of our local dentists that will allow the technician to come chairside. Mm. So that's actually one of the requirements that I have for any of our technicians that move up to a master level that they have completed several cases uh, together with a doctor and have seen all the clinical appointments and have met the patients and uh, worked a couple of cases that way around. And that actually enables them over the years to to have a different type of conversation with a dentist because they have a better understanding than just sure. looking at an articulator. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's self-confidence in that too. You know, when you get to a certain aspect of your career and you know all of these things, you can have those conversations and feel self-confident to give the advice and to let them know what you're seeing. Or sometimes if you really don't know what you don't know, those conversations are very awkward. Mm, Absolutely. So, and you know, typically when a clinician calls you, they're in some sort of distress because the patient sits in a chair and it's just something that they're unsure (laughs) about. So uh, I better be able to come up with some sort of troubleshooting protocol or or advice on what they could be doing. Yeah. You've used the terminology um master level mm-hmm. ask you do you guys have different levels obviously master is the highest but how do you discertain those levels it's not only a matter of seniority but also a matter of experience and education internally here okay so how many levels do you have it is really basically a, a technician as a trainee then they're going through a regular technician and uh, some of them that further their education or go on the ctt route they can work within this master level framework. Wow, I like that. How many CDTs do you guys have over at Edmonds? Do you know? Um, I would say probably 10, maybe 12. Yeah. Uh, and you're one, yeah. of course, right? Uh, I do not have the American CDT. What? 
What are you doing, man? Uh, the German one. Hello. <laughs> you have some extra time, don't you? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I've been thinking about it over the years and thought, okay, adding another three letters behind my name. But um, <laughs> one of these days, I might tackle that. You should. Oh. That is something else I wanted to talk to you about is your DTG. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. nice. We've had plenty of DTGs on the program, which you've probably yeah. noticed. And so how did you get associated with that? What was that experience like? A few years ago, I through Facebook, I linked up with a couple of technicians, some of them that you've had on the show. I think uh, first and foremost, Dan Elfring. Yeah. Phenomenal yeah. technician. And uh, he kind of introduced me a few years ago to, to Damaged Goods and the Dental Technicians Guild. And uh, eventually, uh, I was asked to become a member there, which is uh, another great honor. What I really like about the DTG group is that it really stands for some of the same values that are just very close to my own heart, like the preservation and sharing of knowledge and the effort to uphold a certain industry standard. It's it's just a phenomenal group of people. And if I'm looking at a case or a situation that I'm just stumped, it's just a phenomenal resource to just be out there in a judgment-free zone with technicians all over the world and say, here's what I'm looking at. How would you guys solve that? It's just a, a tremendous wealth of knowledge and skill in this group. Yeah. Yeah. And I like how they choose their members by, you know, just seeing your involvement online mm-hmm. with other members. And, you know, it's not it's not like a test. It's not like you petition to be on it. They kind of seek you out just by your involvement. And that continues to build as more people get involved. It's it's a great thing. Yeah. I think yeah. Uh, Von Groh has had the right idea when he started that. Yeah. Yeah. He really has. He was our only three-episode interview ever. <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, I do too. <laughs> you got the school going, and you're at Edmonds. Usually we follow up with what's next, but I think we covered that. Is there anything possibly you could fill in your day? Uh, I think I'm good right now. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, 2021 is going to be an interesting year. <laughs> For sure, sure, yeah. So how are you guys marketing the school Real uh, before we wrap up? Like, are you going to advertise in magazines? Or are you going to do word of mouth? Or how are you going to get it out there? I know you're probably going to, it's probably going to be a year for you to, you know, train all of your techs that are there and the doctors that you're working with. But once you open it up, how are we to find out about it? The social media is going to be a big factor with this, as well as the SSOP.Swiss website. That's where we're going to be announcing all of the courses. And like I said earlier, we are planning on opening the courses up for the next year already. So I actually envision a, a course makeup at some point where I have a, perhaps a dentist or two, a few technicians from other labs and a few of our own technicians and have all of this as a cohesive unit together. I think there's just a lot of knowledge and experience sharing happening there. And it's really more made up as a seminar style. So I'm not going to be standing there and lecturing all day long, but I really want to have the feedback from the participants too and have open discussions about problem solving and what their experience is for specific things. Wow. Because I may be teaching something that I know works great for me and have a couple of alternatives handy, but I'm always open to hear from other people if they know something that just works that I have not considered or tried out yet. Yeah. There you have it. You're going to learn just as much. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I always tell people when we interview them, I tell them I've been doing this for 28 years now, and I'm still in a process of training myself. Yeah. And if, oh, yeah. if you go that way, for me, 
it would be boring otherwise if I'm settling down and said, okay, I have my one process and protocol down and that's how I'm doing things and I'm not sharing it with anybody and I'm not going to alter or change it as the environment changes. That's You're bound to become kind of moribund in this, with this attitude. Sure. Just having this episode out will be a promotion. And then once you really get it going and there's an actual website for people to sign up, you know, shoot me an email and I'm, we'll be happy to talk about it again and let people know. All right. I much appreciate that. Yeah, I think it's a great thing. I mean, any way we can educate removable technicians, oh, please. I mean... <laughs> So yeah, I think in May LMT, maybe the three of us need to get together somehow and talk a little bit about a connection perhaps with the foundation and so on. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. That's great. Maybe. Great idea. Maybe have like a grant to send people to the Swiss school. Actually, that's a great idea, Elvis. Look at you. You're so stimulated tonight. <laughs> <laughs> it's the after 6 p.m. cup of coffee. Is, that's what this is. <laughs> yeah. If you have a graduate and somebody that goes through every single class and curriculum, um, do they get um, CE credits? Do they get a um, diploma? What are you guys thinking? I'm sure it's early in its in inception, but what, what are you thinking? No, it's all taken care of and ready to go. So we can issue the CE credits. And the Swiss School of Prosthetics in Zurich, they will issue you, after you pass your online exam, they will issue you a certificate. Sweet. Nice. Two huge benefits. Nice. Cool. I'm excited to see how it goes. I think it's going to be cool. Me too. It's yeah. it's yeah. going to be an adventure. Yeah. Well, good luck to you, sir. And we'll keep our ears open for the first class. All right. Very good. I'm excited. And thank you again very much for having me on. Yeah, thank you for being on. Yeah, we appreciate it. We'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Whitmix adds Veracast OS burnout resin to its growing family of print resins. Veracast OS prints detailed crowns, bridges, substructures, and RPD frameworks accurately, smoothly, it's durable, and burns out cleanly. Margins fit precisely for easy finishing after casting or pressing, and its red color makes it super easy to see the detail. Technicians like that the printed pieces are robust enough to handle while fitting, screwing, and finishing the workflow. Not sure if it'll work with your printer? Don't worry. Veracast OS resin is versatile. It works with LCD and DLP printers in both the 385NM and the 405NM wavelengths. For optimal results, use the Whitmix Resin Vest which is a phosphate investment made specifically for burning out printed or milled resin patterns. For more information, visit Whitmix.com. And as always, we appreciate your support of the podcast, Whitmix. Amazing things that you guys are doing, Stefan. We can't thank you and Edmonds enough for putting this together. It's a much-needed program in our industry. It's important that even when a huge shift to digitally designed dentures is happening, that the technician still understands the fundamentals of a good removable prosthetic. So be sure, everybody listening, to check out ssop.swiss for a list of all the courses and be on the lookout for their schedule for future courses. Good stuff. Can't wait. I think we're going to send some text there. 
super impressed. Yeah, it's a great opportunity for technicians all around. Yeah, All right, everybody. That's all we got for you. We'll talk to you next week. Have a good one. Bye. Waiting on you, as usual. Come on. I'm just kidding.